The following is a member of the Burke Reviews podcast family. BurkeReviews.com Hey everybody, welcome to the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. I'm John Burke from BurkeReviews.com, and with me as always is Matt Hudson from What I Watch Tonight. How's it going, Matt? Not bad. How you doing? Uh, pretty good, man. It's been a it's been a hectic week. I got back from Tribeca on Monday, like really late Monday at that, and it has been just like trying to get back into the swing of things. Yeah, the highlight of my week has been trying to battle hay fever. So I mm. think out of the two of us, you win. Yeah, that's it. Does sound right. Um, I mean, I did have like grades were due this week for interims and things like that, but yeah, you still have the worst of it. I think they still try better though. From what I've seen from your reviews and just the general buzz and from just checking out um, the Tribeca site, it it looked like quite a good festival. It looked like a good turnout this year of um, of movies and celebs. Yeah, movie that's been my my biggest regret from Tribeca was I uh, I've never seen Scarface, and okay. they did a screening of Scarface the Thursday night that I flew in, and I hesitated to buy a ticket for it because I wasn't sure if my flight would get delayed or whatever, like it did at um, South by. So, I I didn't buy tickets for Scarface. I ended up going to see Tully for the second time, and Jason Reitman was there, so that was really cool. That's cool. But, the next day on Instagram, I see Tribeca posting pictures from the Scarface uh, <laughs> showing, and Al Pacino was there, no Michelle way. Pfeiffer was there, Brian, no Brian De Palma was there, and I'm like, oh my god, I chose wrong. <laughs> I would have loved to have been in the same vicinity as Brian De Palma, let alone the same auditorium. Yeah, so I was wow. I was kind of devastated because like I could have seen Scarface for my first time with the cast. That would have been crazy, and uh, I didn't see any documentaries while I was there. And there was a, a new Trayvon Martin documentary, um, mm-hmm. and De Niro went to that screening. So I was also mad that I didn't go see that because De Niro, you know. <laughs> you need to get you need to get more lucky next time. <laughs> yeah, you're yeah, that's even good English, but. You need to you need to pick wisely. Yeah, you know, I, I now I know um, one the critic screenings are great at Tribeca, like they really do treat critics very very well. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's no celebrities or anything during the critic screenings because we're just there to, to see the movie. That's it. It's the when you buy the tickets that almost every movie I went to at night had somebody from the either the director or a cast member, um, and sometimes like just extra celebrities who want to see the movies that are in town. You know, so. Yeah, it's definitely worth buying tickets to the Tribeca Festival because it's prestigious and it's in New York, so there's already people there. Um, so you get and it's in New York. Yeah, yeah. So you get you get big crowds and you know people are there to see the movie. Um, and the theaters are pretty nice. There's a couple that were like not usually movie theaters that weren't the most comfortable seating arrangements, but they still had good screens and good sound. Well, if anyone from Tribeca happens to be listening, I'd like to come to Nexus Festival. So please give me accreditation. I will send my application, but fast track me. Uh, yeah. I'd also I'd also love to see New York as a city. Um, I'd love to spend a weekend there and just check it out and see the sights, um, which I know you did because you're a lucky man. Yeah, I I, I have to owe that to uh, my editor David from Burke Reviews. 
because he kind of pushed me because I think I would have ended up back at the hotel writing and, and sleeping more often. Um, and he was like, no, we gotta go do this thing. We gotta go do this thing. I'm like, all right, all right let's go do this thing. Um, and I did, once I was there, I very happy I made those choices, but I don't think I would have made those choices had I been on my own. Cause I, I did, I had a lot to write when I got back home. So I would have been probably just staying in the hotel room and writing and getting everything, you know, caught up, but not having nearly as much fun as I ended up having. So it's all about the experience. So I'm exactly the same. I, when I actually get out, I have a great time, but it's the idea of getting up and going out anywhere. <laughs> I just think I, I'd rather stay in. But yep. as soon as I get out and do it, I, I, I never think, I never look back. So um, you did the right thing. I agreed. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely glad uh, I had the, the company. And um, but I did see a lot of movies. I saw 14 movies um, in oh, wow. four days. Yeah, so it was a lot. Although to be fair, I did I'd seen Tully already, so I didn't write another review for that. And then the last movie I saw at the festival was Jonathan um, with Ansel Elgore. Yeah, and we were 30 minutes late to that movie because the miseducation of Cameron Post started late and then had the whole cast there and I couldn't leave and not get a picture of the whole cast because like Sasha Lane and Chloe Grace Moretz were there um, and John Gallagher Jr. So I had to like at least see them before I ran off to the the theater that was 15 minutes away Um, and I walked into Jonathan 30 minutes late, sat in the front row to try to be as uh, undisruptive as possible to the rest (laughs) of the theater goers. Um, which, and I still, the movie was actually still really good, even though I missed a good set of 30 minutes of it. But, um, yeah, I, I'm not writing a review for it though. I feel like I can't write a fair review having not seen everything. So I, I'm skipping that one, but. Well, that's fair enough. Well, it's always next year. And again, Tribeca, let me in. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like that. If I have any, eventually. if I have any power, I will, I will put my two cents in for you. Thank you very much. I probably have no power, but <laughs> <laughs> it's worth the <a> try. <laughs> All right. Well, this month um, for April, we're gonna be looking back at uh, five movies that we saw this past month. Um, and what we'll do on this podcast is we we go in uh, spoiler free and we talk yep. about big movie releases from um, the previous month. So we're gonna be releasing this in May. So we're talking about April, and this was a big month. This was a massive month. Not just we had the probably the most anticipated movie of the year out, yep. but there's also one movie in particular which wasn't made for a lot of money, but is absolutely crushing the box office. Yep. And there's some of the movies we're going to talk about have have been better than they possibly should have been. Agreed. Yeah, and and then there's some that were you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's one in particular. Yeah, one one in actually yeah. Uh, this is a it's a really good month when you look back at it, and I've yeah. I missed a whole weekend, um, and so did you I believe. But well, your our releases are a little different. If you haven't caught on, listeners, Matt is not in the U.S. Matt's across the Atlantic, um, so we don't always get to see the same things because some things don't come out on time, um, or at the same time I should say. Yeah, that's right. I am representing jolly old England, uh, who are basking in the uh, wave of a newborn royal. But uh, I was more interested in going to the flicks. Yes, as am I, uh, generally speaking. But we we both missed um, I Feel Pretty, the new Amy Schumer film. And that was no offense to Amy Schumer. I was in New York at a film festival, so I didn't get a chance to see it when it came out. 
And then um, no, I missed it because it doesn't come out till next week in England, which is, I think is a ah. May the fourth, Star Wars Day. So oh wow! I, ha- I have a legitimate uh, reason for not seeing oh. it. So <laughs> I... it, may, it, it may even get pushed into next month's episode if people want to hear it. Yeah, and then um, Super Troopers two. Uh, which I was surprised got as wide of a release as it did. It's actually at my local theater. I really want to see it, but again, for the same reason, it came out the same weekend as I Feel Pretty, and I've not made it to the theater yet to see it because um, other things got in the way. But And that one's also not out in England yet, right, Matt? I'm I'm not 100% sure on the release it's going to get, but I don't think it's going to get a particularly big release. Maybe a few cinemas in London, um, but I haven't heard anything about a release yet. Was Super Troopers 1 like popular over there? Um, it, it's gotten more popular, I think, as yeah. it has everywhere else. When it, when it dropped, I think it was just another small film. As yeah. you said, it's kind of grown into a cult status. So whether that cult follow is going to get it a half-decent release, uh, we have to wait and see. I mean, it's got such a cult following that it is the uh, fastest Kickstarter, um, I think, to ever you know, crowdfunded feature film or something like that. Like, it set a record. Uh, like, I think within an hour or something, it had made its goal and then some um because the fan base is so big for it uh which it's crazy because i remember watching it when it came out on dvd back in 2002 or three or four or whatever it was and my friends and i we we latched onto that movie quick and it became a frequent rewatch at my uh my house at the time um and I, i haven't watched it in a couple of years but i always still have fond memories of it so i'm excited to see the sequel yeah, it's a it's a it's a fun, it's a good fun movie, and I like to see what they do with the sequel. But talking about money again, it made a lot of money on its first weekend, considering mm-hmm. it's a Kickstarter movie and the budget is not big. It's not a huge budget; it's tiny. No. But yeah. it made, I think it I think it made about seven million dollars on its opening day or two. So that's not bad at all. Nope. And of course, I don't know how long of legs it's going to have because Avengers is out now, and then. There's a bunch of stuff coming out in the oh, next yeah. couple of months, which um, next month's going to be big as well. Which we should plug real quick before we get into the reviews. Uh, Matt joined Top Five Movies um, this year with Burke Reviews to do a summer fantasy draft, where we draft a team of uh, movies that are going to be released between April 27th and September 1st, and we earn points based on their box office in the U.S. and the um, Metascore. Uh, from Metacritic.com, and I was fortunate enough to get the first pick and snagged Avengers: Infinity War, which is looking uh, pretty strong right now. Um, hopefully, it stays strong. And then, uh, but you've got Solo, right? I picked Solo first, so I I think I'm looking forward to it. I am a Star Wars nerd, but that aside, I'm still looking forward to it. It's got mm-hmm. the Star Wars name. I think I'm guaranteed some top points from that film. As for the others, I think I've gone for solid picks. Yeah, and I don't remember. Did uh, I think Corey got uh, Lost World or Jurassic World? Excuse me, The Lost yeah, Kingdom, did. and that seems to be trending upward from what I'm hearing uh, out of CinemaCon, which was in Vegas this last piece, this past week. Um, the they showed a big clip from the film apparently to the uh, theater owners and whatnot, and the buzz has gone up. It's much more anticipated than it was recently. So. Um, that it's a good movie, IP as well. So. It is, yeah, and obviously uh, Jurassic World made a lot of money, um, so we'll see if, it, if this film can make as much or whatnot, but um, you can listen to that episode. I'll actually link it in the show notes, too. Um, on uh, Burke Reviews, 
um, moviecast, berkreviews.com moviecast, excuse me, wherever you get your podcast, and uh, t- take a listen to us decide, you know, talking about why we picked what we picked and hearing what our teams are. And you can follow along all summer at berkreviews.com to see who's winning. Um, I am going to be waiting for a little while for sure because <laughs> uh, my movie came out way earlier than everybody else's. But um, the biggest of the year. Yeah. And, but solo, man, I don't know. That movie could, could easily top it. And I think it's going to hurt Avengers because it's going to interrupt the, uh, the flow. But then Deadpool comes out a week or two, uh, before. before. Think, yeah, so it does. There's, they, they're going to, are they going to play off each other? It, it depends how much, how much, how many legs Deadpool has. If it, mm-hmm. if that's going to go over two weeks and then when solo comes out, is it going to start eating away? It's interesting. But I, I totally agree. Check out the podcast. It was fantastic. A lot of fun to do it with the four other guys and girls um, to hear what they had to say. And it was a lot of fun. So check it out. I think you'll enjoy listening to it. Yeah, and it's a great way to find out what's coming out this summer because we have yes. 25 movies that we talk about by the end of the podcast. So you'll know at least 25 films that are going to be coming out. So Yes, and now we know The Equalizer 2 is actually coming out. So that one's definitely back in there. Yep, it is definitely back in. It is 100% now, um, which we were not sure about at the time of the uh, the recording. But um, look, it worked out for Corey. But, or maybe not. We'll find out. <laughs> All right. We're going to be looking at five movies from um, the month of April. We're going to start with A Quiet Place, uh, directed by John Krasinski, um, who I, whose name I always want to butcher. And uh, stars him and his wife, Emily Blunt. And I am going to forget the kids' names. I'm pulling that up now to make sure. Millicent Simmons and Noah Jupe. There it is. And um, this film is the one that I think uh, was people were excited about, but I don't think anyone saw it doing in the box office what it's done. Um, what do you got to say, taken, Matt? Yeah. Well, firstly, should we be, should we be whispering this review? Um, <laughs> I don't want to wake up the nasties, but this. I'd, I was looking forward to this at the beginning of the year because it's one of those films that I had on my radar um, and then very slowly and steadily and not very quietly it got stopped to get buzz, buzz, buzz it was shown at, uh, was it South by Southwest I think it was shown at Yep. the, the buzz went up through the roof I um, missed that premiere because my flight was late <laughs> you and planes don't get on sometimes nope but this man, it's like made for not a lot of money but it's such a good horror movie. It's not into, it's not entirely original, so it's not something that's come out of the blocks and it's new. But it's effective. Mm, I mean, they for use sure. the sound. Horror horror is the one genre which uses sound so well, or sometimes so obviously. Um, but when it's used well, like it is here, it it works so. This film is terrifying at points. Every yeah. single sound is like a cymbal smash. Um, but what and, and and for the film overall, just watching it became a a surreal affair because in this day and age, it's essentially a silent film. Mm-hmm. Um, it and it's it was exciting, and it goes to show that you know you don't need blood, guts, and gore to make a movie scary. It's atmospheric, and it will make you just sweat and wince throughout. I had a blast watching this. I did too. I I absolutely love this movie. Um, and you're not a horror fan, are you, particularly? I, I tend to dislike a lot of big horror films. I'm not opposed to the idea of horror. I just, I don't think every horror film's tone connects with me. Um, and a lot of the big, like, beloved horror films, and I don't see eye to eye. Like, I'm not a fan of Suspiria. Um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre I find more silly than anything. Um, I don't know. I, I Then again, I, I love a lot of horror. Um, 
like I am a fan of Halloween, uh, even though I find them silly, but I enjoy them. I yeah. enjoy most of the Friday the Thirteenth franchise, even though again I'm not arguing that they're great movies. I enjoyed them, um, but uh, there are horror films that really work for me, and it's definitely it's never about the idea of being afraid. Like I don't mind being scared, um, or and I'm not one of those people who doesn't like a horror movie because it didn't scare me. If it's well constructed, it tells a great story. It doesn't have to freak me out, but a quiet place worked for me in like every regard there were a few things that i wish they'd done differently um which we won't talk about because of spoilers we are spoiler free with this podcast um because these movies are still some of these are still in theaters and or they're not yet on blu-ray so we don't want to ruin it for anybody but we do want to recommend things if we like them or dislike them um this movie starts where even i feel like the opening 15 minutes is kind of a spoiler even though it's hinted at heavily in the trailers but um, they raise the stakes so fast in this movie and let you know that nobody is safe. And that doesn't happen in a lot of horror movies. And that was one of the things I really liked about it was right away I was like, oh, my God, if they're willing to do that in the first 15 minutes, this movie's fair game. Like, ev- everybody in this film is in danger. And that is such a compelling aspect. I was on the edge of my seat, I think, the entire film just with anticipation of what was going to happen next. I agree. I mean, it's actually it's probably for the first ten minutes. Shave off five minutes there. Yeah. That they really get going, and I think the film's only about an hour and twenty twenty five minutes long anyway. So it's only a short film. So it really doesn't. It really starts and it doesn't stop. Um, doesn't nope. let doesn't let go anywhere. Uh, again, there's no spoilers, but you know the, the film doesn't bother with exposition particularly because it doesn't need to. No. It drops you in it. You know, this is where we are. Within the first ten minutes, this is what you're going to get. And it goes from there. And I appreciated that, that we didn't have some kind of strange, some kind of sort of 20 minute, half an hour exposition or origin or background, which we just didn't need. Sometimes it's nice. To, it's, it actually ramps up the tension a bit more when you don't fully know what's going on. Yeah. Or, you know, you, you know, obviously what you've seen in the trailers, if you've, if you've seen it or the synopsis, that certain, there's certain elements of the film, which um, the more, the more prevalent things you know about. But, but you know what's going on, why things happen and whatnot. You, I never explained, and I uh, to start with, and I love that part of it. Yeah, uh, I agree but completely. Like I said, there are moments that did entirely work for me. There was one of the one of the key cruxes of the story. I I left. I was sort of scratching my head throughout, thinking, why, why, why would you do that for? But mm-hmm. um, yeah, if you see the film, you may understand. But. I, I, it was just it was a lot of, it was creepy like I was on the edge of my seat as well my my fists were clenched during it thinking yeah. just don't make a sound please but I mean we've seen this with things like Tremors um, it comes at night was similar and of course don't breathe and I think A Quiet Place you know works well alongside those but uh, takes it to another level well see and where Don't Breathe didn't work for me was I I hated the characters in Don't Breathe. Like, from the first instant we are introduced to them, they're robbing somebody's house, which, to be fair, I had literally had my house broken into, like, two weeks before I saw Don't Breathe. So I had no sympathy for burglars. And then the guy pees on the the person's rug, and I'm just like, nope, these are awful people. I don't like them, and, and did not care. one of them money as well. Yeah. Ex- yes. Though that's, I'm pretty sure money's the one who pees on the floor. And... Yeah, okay. I was immediately done. Where I completely feel the opposite here. I I like all the characters. The dad I connect to because I am a dad and I see him, you know, trying to protect his family. And then, yep. um, you know, the 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 girl, 
you're sympathetic to because she's deaf, but at the same time, she's tougher than he's giving her like credit for, and so you feel bad for her. And oh my god, Emily Blunt's character, who is pregnant and just insanely strong um, for what she, what she goes through in this movie, it, it is insane. Uh, all these little details that they they implement, and um, it. Man, uh, the visual storytelling that Krasinski does at the beginning of the film to give you the backstory is strong. And then there are some weaker moments later in the movie where it's like, mm, yeah. didn't need to show that. Okay, but um, but I get it. you know. And considering his last movie, which I liked, The Hollers, um, I don't know if you got to see that from last... I think it's from 2015. Um, I didn't see that, no. It, it's more like... It feels like a Zach Braff movie. It's very indie kind of mumblecore um, you know, guy goes home to because his mother got sick, and he's trying to help take care of her. And he has a kind of zany brother who's played by Charlotte uh, Copley. Um, his he leaves his pregnant girlfriend Anna Kendrick back in their home, their home while he's visiting the family, and it's this this whole thing, and it's good, but it's you know it's very kind of generic, and and it's not real original or anything. But again, it's well performed, it's well shot, it's just okay. Where this movie, I would never have guessed Krasinski had this in him, and it's pretty amazing to see it uh, come to fruition. And un- I feel, unfortunately, I don't know if you heard, the sequel has been greenlit. I uh, saw that today, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I I feel like they're going to go too far into exposition and over-explain the creatures or something, and it's just going to wreck the the gorgeousness that is this movie. It, like I said, it's not every film needs a a backstory or needs a reason to exist. Sometimes, like I said, it's just great to be dropped in the middle of whatever's going on, and you have and you're in the sometimes can be in the same uh, headspace of the characters trying mm-hmm. to work out what's going on. I I, uh, I just think yeah, a sequel is going to be they're going to throw a bit more money at it. It's going to have a bigger budget. We're probably going to maybe see a few more nasties. And whilst it won't taint the original, you know, it it's it's not necessary. Um, Agreed. I I liked like like we just mentioned perfectly. The characters are what made the film. It wasn't you know the the antagonists or anything else. It was the characters that really brought life to the movie. Um, and trying to strike that balance again or strike lightning again is. Uh, I just don't see why they should, why they would do it, but I can see why the studio would do it because yeah. they made a lot of money. But um, no, and just on the point, you mentioned Emily Blunt was pregnant. That was what I was talking about. I sort of scratched my head during the film, thinking, oh. was it a wise move to have a baby when you can't make a noise? But yeah, uh, you know, story. So yeah, but um, I very much enjoyed this film, even if you don't like horror films or like, like John isn't a huge fan per se, but. Even if you don't even have to like horror films, because this is more of a, a, a it's a horror film, but it's more of a tense atmospheric thriller aspect to it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, you, uh, this is one I think we both recommend. Definitely, highly, I would say highly recommend, and I think seeing it in the theater is imperative. So get there while you can, because the sound design in this film is so great that you want it on the best sound system you can have. Um, and you probably, you might have it at home, but you're probably going to get the best experience at a theater. And before we move off completely, I also want to compliment the crowd I was with at this movie because I was really worried because horror films are usually my worst crowd experiences. And for this movie, having so many scenes where it's just absolute silence, I was so concerned with people just being obnoxious and talking. 
I had an amazing crowd. Everybody reacted appropriately for the, like, when it was scary, we all gasped, we jumped, but no one was talking, no one was being rude, no one was being disruptive, even ruffling, like, you know, rappers or anything. I was super impressed and had an amazing experience because of that. Eating popcorn has never been so, made you feel so self-conscious as during yes. that film, having to literally just suck the popcorn to a mushy pulp. <laughs> but um, I think if go that go and watch it now, there you may even be in a cinema by yourself because it's been out for a while now, mm-hmm. uh, so you're pretty much guaranteed a quiet auditorium. And yeah, any movement in the theatre uh, really does doesn't take out the film, but you know because you get so engrossed into the characters not making a noise that any any noise kind of you know it it jolts you so uh yeah. yeah i agree with the having having a nice audience helps because uh it's been a few films recently where i haven't had a nice audience but yeah. a quiet place wasn't one of them yeah exa- exactly um all right so that's our review of a quiet place we're going to move into blockers um which i think is another film that i had uh, kind of low expectations for um and i ended up enjoying quite a bit uh blockers stars um, the real, the big, the big three are John Cena, Leslie Mann, and um, Ike Barinholtz. But yeah. what the trailer I felt was definitely misleading were the kids uh, having such an important role in the film, um, which is Catherine Newton, uh, Gideon Adlin, and oh, where is she? Okay, Geraldine. This oh, There you go, man. You, <laughs> I think you nailed that. Uh, <laughs> I'm leave it for you. Um. John's weakness is horses and strange (laughs) names. So, help him out there. If a horse charges, so I'm out. Yes. I I had to watch The Last Unicorn from 1982 for (laughs) Movie Club this week, and it only only emphasized my dislike for horses. Raised your ire somewhat, yeah. But, um, Blockers, man. I I saw the trailer back. I went and saw um, Bad Mom's Christmas, like, Mm -hmm. in December or whatever. And that was the first time I saw. I remember seeing a trailer for Blockers, and I was like, "That looks like it could be pretty funny." And I just thought it would be like a dumb comedy, you know, with you know nothing really to say, just some fart jokes, and it would be, you know, enjoyable. And um, before I got to see it, because uh, it was it came out during the Florida Film Festival, so I was I was a little late getting to it, but I'd heard like buzz that like it was not just a comedy that there was actually like a great story and good heart and that it's a really good coming of age story where these three young actresses really nail this uh this role so i kind of went in not sure what to expect and i was pretty blown away um i didn't think it was as funny as i thought it would be uh i laughed a bit but there were less comedic scenes or some of the jokes i thought were kind of oh like too too silly too much um and I have a pretty goofy sense of humor, so I laugh at a lot of stupid crap. So me That's saying fun. that says something. But um, I was really impressed with the three teenage actresses and the story that the movie tells because it's actually touching and um, reminded me very much of American Pie for my generation. Um, yeah, yeah. And so I ended up really liking this movie and more so um, for the story and not as much for the comedy as I expected to. Um, and should be noted, it's directed by Kay Cannon, um, female director, which I always love seeing. And I think this was her directorial debut. I think it was her debut, yeah. And she's she's a producer on some other like big movies, Pitch Perfect, Pitch Perfect 2 and 3, unfortunately cool. for 3. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, this is her only directorial title right now. And it, I think she did a really good job with the story. It's not a bad start. It, uh, 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 echo what you've just said. It 
it, it's not the best film we'll ever see, but it it's it could have gone either way. It could have been, you know, a stock generic, gross out teen comedy type thing, or it could have been a you know a pretty decent comedy. And that's what it ended up being. They were, and it had a nice message in it with empathy throughout. So like you say, it wasn't like I say, it wasn't the funniest film I've ever seen. It did get a bit OTT as the movie went on and on. Mm-hmm. But I, I enjoyed it. I had a good time with this movie. Um, I liked John Cena. I think he's yeah. he's kind of got a bit of uh, Dwayne Johnson's kind of affability about him. He's, it's very hard to not like John Cena, I find, in some of these roles. Uh, Ike Barinholtz, I grew to like him more. And Leslie Mann was... I thought I really, really enjoyed her character. Yeah. And I guess the kind of journey she took with uh, Catherine Newton, her daughter... Yeah, um, I, I, I agree that the three young actors were fantastic together. They had good chemistry. I liked also where they went. It didn't feel like a stock movie to me. It did feel like it was trying to say something. And there were those kind of teen movie moments where, you, where you, which you might see. You could probably take it out of this movie and put in about four or five other ones. For sure. But I, I had a good time with it. I didn't expect it to be, you know, the top top movie of twenty eighteen. But it surprised me more than I thought it would because I'd heard that buzz as well, uh, and I went into it with an open mind. And yeah, I liked it. Um, it, ha- it did. Uh, John, I, I liked John Cena. I thought he had some of the more he had the funnier moments. Yes. He also had, he also had some of the more OTT moments, but um, I enjoyed it. I had quite a touching message. And as fathers, uh, there's a lot to take from this film and of how of how to uh, how to behave and how to let people live their own life. I guess. Yeah, uh, that's. I think the the coming of age aspects and the parental aspects, because I I can relate. Because my daughter is turning fourteen, and so there's those concerns. Like prom is only a couple years away; she's gonna be driving soon. Um, and I, I can definitely I could relate to all three of the parents. Um, well, maybe not Ike Baron holds so much, uh, but <laughs> um, definitely to, to John Cena and Leslie Mann's characters as they are trying to deal with things. Um, one of my biggest complaints about this film that I also mentioned in my review. Or the the underuse of Soraya Blue, um, yeah, yeah, and Hannibal Barris, uh, who Gina Gershon was in it as well, but yeah, you may not realize that. I love her as an actress. Yeah, for sure. And but, um, you know, you, you have great actors of color in this movie, and they are almost non-existent. Um, and there's a really great moment with Soraya Blue when they are when she's yelling at the three other parents like why are you doing this to our kids because they're girls it's not okay that they're trying to have sex like yes. if these were boys would you be doing this and I love yeah, like it's a great monologue didn't she yeah yeah and it's a great moment but it's like man I wanted to see her more because she she whenever she was on screen like she was really funny like in the trailer they show the clip of Cena um trying to like flirt with her like I'm gonna rip these underwear off of you and then she just deadpans like those are your daughters it's your kids <laughs> yeah <laughs> And, like, that scene's even funnier in the movie, and it's because of her, I think, more than Cena. Like, Cena's doing the... He's the the silly guy. He's the goofy one. She's the straight man in the Just in the scene. Up, yeah. <laughs> and But, man, she makes that scene hilarious because of it. Like, because he's reacting to her deadpan, like, calmness about it. Because she is so... She's, like, the parent you want to be, where she's very accepting of reality and, like, this is how things are. It is okay that this is how things are because this is what happens. People grow up, and you have to be okay with this inevitable outcome otherwise you're gonna ruin your kid's life and you or your relationship with that kid and you can't do that you know and i don't know i really liked her and and hannibal burris is constantly getting cast in these little small parts in these movies and he's often the funniest part he he doesn't get anything in this movie 
and that disappointed me. Um, he is going to be in tag, although it, it does look like he's going to be uh, delegated to like the fifth man in that movie. Yeah, um, he wasn't Spider-Man Homecoming, but he was the coach. And had some of the funniest moments, though. The interactions with the with the Captain America workout videos are hilarious. But um, he was in uh, Daddy's nice Home. Guys. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, he is in this. Um, Daddy's uh, Home. Neighbors. Uh, neighbors, he's the, the security guard, police officer guy. I mean, he's That's always true. funny when he's there. But he doesn't get enough. And I'd love to see him get some more leading parts. There's a movie called Band of Robbers um, that I think was a Netflix... Or it's definitely a VOD movie, and um, he, it's a like reimagining of Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn. Okay. Uh, and it's really, really great. And he plays one of the friends of Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn, and he gets some very funny parts. Um, oh man, it's really good. I can't. I I feel like it's super underseen. Um, I I can't recommend that movie enough. It it was on Netflix. It might still be. Uh, check out Band of Robbers if you're a fan of Hannibal. But as far as blockers go. Um, I liked it, and I I would recommend it. Uh, surprisingly, recommend it actually. Yeah, I I agree about Hannibal Burris, but I thought it's a good. If you want a if you want a good comedy or a decent comedy with a bit of a feel good factor, uh, this will tick your boxes. Get it. There there probably will be better comedies this year. Yeah. But it did it did stray in more into that coming of age. There's a good message throughout. It's fun. The, I mentioned it became a bit OTT, but it never it never sort of delves into um, dirty grandpa and rubbish like that. You know, it keeps it as restrained as possible, um, except for one scene. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it, yeah yeah I think that may even be part of that being the trailer. But um, that's the kind of that that yeah that, that's the one where you could probably pick out and put in any other teen comedy. But I liked it. I thought Kay Cannon did a good job on her first on her first uh, feature film. Mm-hmm. The cast are great. The story's good. It's got a good message, like I've said. So um, yeah, recommended. Better than I thought it'd be. I I had this down as a kind of middle of the road, forgettable film. Yeah, um, and it's and it's a bit more than that. It is. Uh, it was again. I didn't think it was as funny as it could have been, but I do think the story makes up for the the infrequent laughs. There are some big laughs in it. Don't get me wrong. Like there are some funny moments. But in the trailer, I thought, oh, this is going to be one gag after another. Yep. And it's not that because they actually spend time with the characters. You get to know who these people are. And you do care about them um, and the relationships that they're they're in uh, by the end of the movie. And I really like that. And even Ike Barinholtz's character is the one who has, I think, the biggest arc um, because he has yes. the most to prove. And uh, I really liked what they how they handled him and his, his daughter's uh, connection. Yeah, and the movie crucially never never became sort of schmaltzy or over sickly with its um, affection it's all it feels quite real at times the affection whether the actions do but it never becomes too much or too manipulative I mm-hmm. don't I didn't think I thought I thought yeah. it felt quite genuine I agree completely and that that's hard to do in a movie that's really called cock blockers right like because there's <laughs> yeah, well, yeah the poster has a rooster above the word like there's they couldn't have called it that for obvious reasons but just parents could be such yeah yeah blockers. but man for a uh, that to be essentially the title of the film and it to have genuine relationships with real characters that's impressive yeah and i think well, that's two that's two from two i think this month because uh like we say i think both of us agree that we went in this movie maybe not expecting too much and came out you know pretty pretty happy with it yeah for sure Definitely. Um, 
not so much for the next movie. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> yeah. It's 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 a movie with giant winged wolves, a massive horned alligator, and a huge albino gorilla, and we're going to say it wasn't great. Yeah, and I, I want to right away, uh, this is Rampage, starring Dwayne <laughs> yeah. The Rock Johnson, um, but why did the wolf and the gator get extra stuff and the ape's just an ape? Yeah. That's true. Even even um, the rock says, you know, of course the wolf has wings, but yeah. I don't know. Maybe because it's an absolute brainless uh, romp. Yeah, I guess so. And maybe I'm putting too much logic to it, but I was like watching like, why does the wolf have wings and why does the alligator have extra stuff? Because the ape's just an ape. Like well, he the gets alligator no... doesn't even look like an alligator. When, it, when he mutates, he looks more like um, Godzilla. Yeah totally looks more like Godzilla other than he's mainly walking on all fours like that's the only difference um and <laughs> yeah but like those two like change so much the wolf and, and the and the gator and the ape just gets bigger and I don't know George if, the gorilla yeah he does, yeah it's bigger I don't know if there's an explanation for it I never hear one and I'm considering the amount of exposition this movie tries to throw at you you think we would have got something but no it's just nope wolf has wings Go figure. Yeah, yeah, he has wings, but you know that's something that wolves, as they grow older, they usually develop wings. But uh, unless I'm missing something, yeah. I, <laughs> what I would say for, for myself, anyway, is what this movie does have for me was, for the most part, anyway, it was a lot of fun. It was stupid. It was ridiculous, but The Rock made it fun. Uh, Dwayne Johnson made it fun, for the most part. Mm-hmm. There are many bits which didn't work. Basically, when when the three animals and, the, and Dwayne Johnson aren't fighting, when when they aren't doing that, the movie's rubbish. Yep. The movie is just pointless. When you get when when, it, when it's those four facing off, oh, it's brilliant. I, I could watch a whole movie of that. But yeah. as soon as they become a bit too sciencey or try to try to get some drama in there or uh, romance, it, it the floor falls apart completely. But I did like the introduction scene in space. I thought that worked really yeah, well. Yeah, I actually agree with that. I thought that was an intense sequence, and it really set the bar for, um, well, it maybe it set the bar too high for the evil <laughs> yeah. that the villains have, because that's one of the biggest problems. The villains in this movie suck, um, yeah. and that is Cliche played by... Two. Yes, Malin, Ackerman, and, uh, uh, well, um, man, Plop from The Office, uh, Jake Lacey, um... I don't know if you're a fan of the American Office or not. Uh, or I if, I'd, I'd, I'm going to have heresy here, but I do prefer the British Office. But I do like the American Office. Well, I don't think it's heresy. I mean, it, it would almost be heresy for you to like the American Office more, right? <laughs> like, uh, well, possibly. But the more people I speak to over here, I think it's because the US version goes on for longer. Much longer, um, right? Lots of people over here starting to prefer that. But we had Martin Freeman in ours. So I know. we win. I need to I need to watch it. Um, I don't know, man. I'm a big John Krasinski fan, though. But uh, yeah, Martin Freeman true. is is pretty awesome, and I need to watch that. Um, I I actually like Ricky Gervais. A lot of people have grown to dislike him, but I I find his really style of humor movies. funny. Um, but yeah, so Jake Lacey is uh, he shows up in the last two seasons of The Office as Plop, um, as his his Pete's his actual name, but uh, oh. Helms calls him Plop, and. <laughs> um, that's it. <laughs> yes, yeah, and you know, you have him. You have Naomi Harris. You have Jeffrey Dean Morgan, who's the only one yeah, yeah. who seems to know that he's in this horrible movie. <laughs> <laughs> he 
he hams it up so slowly. He does. And I kind of I kind of like it to be honest. It is basically what if Negan from The Walking Dead was a cowboy working for the military? That's essentially okay. the the character he's playing. Without Lucille. Yes, without Lucille. Instead he has a uh, pistol on his holster that is in a weird spot that never gets pulled. It's just yes, right. in his holster the whole time. And it's a, such a notable holster that it totally violates Chekhov's gun rule that if you show a gun, you have to shoot it because it never gets shot. Um, Joe Manginello. Yeah, there's that pronunciation game Props of mine. Manginello. Um, that's, that's what I said. Um, and then the cliche uh, officer from the military. I don't even know which actor that is. Um, I guess it's Demetrius Gross. Um, plays Colonel Blake. It is like the most cliche military guy who's just like, follow my orders or else. And it's like, oh, come on, man. There's freaking monsters destroying the world. This guy has information. You wouldn't act like that. Like, you you just wouldn't. Like, uh, it's... We're really getting into this, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, man. I, I, I got so frustrated with this movie because I know it's stupid, and it should know it's stupid, and it should just be fun. It doesn't need to try to, to add drama and add this whole like let the rock punch things let the monsters destroy things and let's have fun like that's what i loved about yeah that's what i loved about pacific rim 2 is it's awful but it was it was a lot of monster fighting and that's what i was there for and this movie there's a a middle stretch that just gets dragged out for way too long rubbish yeah and that that was my biggest complaint otherwise i did have fun when the monsters and the rock were on screen together um and honestly, the the Joe Manganiello uh, sequence with the wolves were really cool too. But yeah, they were good sequences. Like that, that was a good sequence. I thought the the end fight was pretty cool. I oh did, yeah, like I mention, I did like the introduction to space. I thought that was surprisingly tense for a film like this. Agreed. I, actually, I put in my review that whereas something like Transformers: The Last Night is brainless, but also so offensively unfun. Rampage generally kind of knew its limits, and the major and the main reason it's not utter rubbish was Dwayne Johnson. There are worse brain dead movies out there, but it yeah. had an element of fun to it. Whereas comparative films like Transformers didn't. The the, the last one it was that you know that was just terrible. I, I couldn't even bring but myself to see that one. So you have you're not missing out at all. It's. But I mean, at one point during Rampage, the Rock fist bumps a gorilla, and I yeah. kind of thought to myself that would probably actually happen in real life. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine the Rock and the gorilla just bonding like that. I, yeah, the movie the movie suffers from a lack of building, bashing, and mayhem. Yeah, and I, I really liked. I did like George. That's the name of the ape. I liked him a whole lot. Um, and there's he gets he actually gets some of the best laughs in the movie. <laughs> yeah. His relationship with the Rock is probably the best part of the film. For sure, I all the I needed. Gorilla work well together. Yeah, and like Naomi Harris was fine, but I didn't yeah. need her in the movie to to add anything to it. Like, in fact, a lot of it is just she adds way too much exposition, um, and then the villains add yeah. more exposition that is awful and so bad. Ugh. Yeah, it does. It does escalate and escalate and escalate uh, until you get to the final third between exposition versus exposition when really all you want to see is the monsters fighting and even just getting the monsters from A to B is a mammoth effort because of the amount of ex- the story and words and plot which they try to build up as this kind of uh, you know uh, strong narrative you know a thriller type thing it's bloody awful just get to the monsters 
Yeah, ex- exactly. Um, but we probably spoke way too much on this movie that neither of us were completely on board with. Um, yeah, I didn't mind it for a bit of fun. Yeah. But it's that middle stretch which absolutely just derailed everything. If if they could have tinkered that sub slightly, chopped it down a bit, and got rid of some of that exposition and cliche villainy, villainy this could have been a lot... I, was, I, don't want, I, I, I hesitate to say better, but it could have been, <laughs> you know, not quite as bad as it was. Yeah, I, I completely agree. It, it had... It had so much potential to just be a turn-off-the-brain, fun monster movie, and it gets it gets hung up on this need for exposition that does not yeah. give us anything valuable in any way. It does not improve the movie. It doesn't make the story more interesting. It doesn't make the characters more likable. Um, Jeffrey Dean Morgan and The Rock are charismatic, and you're going to like yeah. them because they're charismatic. It doesn't matter what their backstories are or what they're going to do later. Like We just need to know that they're, they have quips and they're funny and we will be fine with this movie. So I yeah. say go in knowing there's going to be some downtime, but the fun moments are pretty fun. Yeah, I, I, I've said this on the last show and I'll probably say it for the next 20 shows, but there are, there will be worse, there really are worse films than this during the year, Winchester. There are, there will be worse films than this during the year. If you just want a bit of fun, you, you, you might get a bit bored, but it will do it for you. It can, it was actually quite vicious at times, as the body count rises. Some of the, uh, the monsters, they didn't, put, they didn't put any punches, they were quite, <laughs> quite angry and bloodthirsty. Yeah, uh, agreed. Uh, there are some brutal moments in the movie uh, for sure, which I want in a monster movie. You know, when there's yeah. going to be giant monsters, things have to happen, right? It can't just be them, like, dancing around, not destroying stuff. They have to, people have to die in those movies. Like, it's necessary for it to make sense as yeah. much as it can. Yeah. So this was this was an average movie for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just under average for me. But, you know, I, I say Pac Rim 2 is better. You disagree. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I liked John Boyega, and that was about it. Yep, yep. Uh, I, I, man, I'm actually playing a uh, Pacific Rim uh, puzzle game on my phone, where like it's kind of like the Marvel Puzzle Quest, and mm. yeah, I, I've, I apparently am really all in on the Pacific Rim franchise. I don't know why. I think it might be because everyone else seems to have dropped it, and I'm just like, it's mine. I claim it. It's. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I, the way they set up a potential third film, I like the idea of that. And I'd, I would still go and watch a Pac Rim three, ah. just for how they, you know, potentially set it up. So okay. I haven't quite given up just yet. If they can keep hold of Boyega, yes, then I will watch it. I, I'm in. If Boyega stays in, I'm I'm totally in. So I, I'd love to see a little bit more um, of Pac Rim, and uh, yeah, I, I like those. But we got two more to talk about, and I know the last one we're going to talk for a little bit. So let's get into. Yeah. One that I don't know how other people can see it. Um, I don't think it's getting a big release here in the States, uh, but it's called Ghost Stories. Um, I was able to see it at the Florida Film Festival, and Matt was able to see it because it's been released officially over there, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. It got a, it, I think it got about a three, four-week run over here. Well, it's directed by Jeremy Dyson and Andy Nyman and stars Andy Nyman, uh, Martin Freeman, Paul Whitehouse, Alex Lothar, who I didn't know his name, but I saw him in End of the Effing World on Netflix um, and really, really liked that show and his performance especially. And in this movie, oh man, I thought he was so great when he was on screen. Um, But uh, man, this movie, 
I just had so much fun with. But why don't you start this one off? I bloody love this film. Um, this it was set. For, I haven't seen the stage show because it's ad- adapted from a theater the- a theater show, mm. um, which I haven't seen, and now I'm quite interested in seeing it. A set, uh, basically, it follows one guy, Andy Andy Nyman, whose job it is to debunk, or whose you know profession is to debunk supernatural theories and kind of you know poo poo on the idea that there's ghosties out there. Yep. Uh, and then one day he's called upon by a legendary, famed um, uh, medium, I think, who's kind of gone missing, and he's given a few story uh, he's, he's given a task to basically go and visit these three people listen to their story work it all out and then come back and tell him that you know these supernatural otherworldly entities aren't real uh so he does know that so over his over his uh journey he meets paul whitehouse alex lawther and martin freeman in a few different in different places each story's got a different tone and it is chilling this film has jump out of your seat moments. Mm-hmm. There's a, and I don't usually jump at horror films, not because I'm big and tough, but usually you can you can anticipate what's coming. But I almost hit the roof at one point during this film. Yeah. Um, and people around me were, it was it was like a one of those uh, amusement arcade games where you have to bash the things that come out of the holes. <laughs> Every now and then, people were jumping out of their seats at different at different parts. There's a real growing oh, sense of dread. Uh, and all the stories crucially connect so well together. The lead performance is a top class. I'm not just saying this because I'm biased, but when Martin Freeman comes in, he really steals the show. He kind of adds that seasoned gloss to the film. Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean you've got Tony, which is Paul Whitehouse. He's kind of that's more of a that's more of a straight up thriller thriller. Yep. Uh, Simon, which is Alex Lawther, his stories are kind of weird black comedy. Yeah. Uh, and and Mike's is something completely different, which I won't go into. But it's Andy Nyman's great in the in the lead role. He's kind of the everyman. Yep. Lawther is fast. Like I said, he's so effective. He's so creepy. Oh, dude! Uh, when he's like he's like f- telling a story and smiling, but he's crying like hysterically at the same time. It yes. is the most unsettling thing I think I've ever seen. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And for people listening from the from the UK, you'll get you'll understand this reference. To see DJ Mike Smash from Smashy and Nicey, you know, trying to take on the other world, basically, is, was fantastic to see. Paul Whitehouse just, you know, trying to <laughs> call out ghosts was superb. It had a really empty, creeping score, and I'm not ashamed to say that my journey back to the car, I, I looked behind me a few times and I <laughs> hurried up through the dark to get back to my car. It is fantastic. Not everything is as it seems, as the tagline. Yeah, it absolutely is true. I'm gushing over this film because I thought it was, it was fantastic. It's a British horror film. We have made some pretty good ones in the last few years, and this one's right up there with them. I think. I think this is a fantastic anthology of horror films. And if you do get a chance to see it, guys, just you know, pick it up on Blu-ray, VOD, whatever. Check yeah. it out. Turn off the lights. You won't be disappointed. I have to say, too, that um, I love that it is an anthology and yet not because it does have yeah. a through line and it is all interconnected, but it, it's it's so great. Like, every every bit, it definitely reminded me of, like, Tales from the Crypt because yeah. um, there's a sense of humor even in the horror. Like, there's... And that's what... I love movies that can genuinely, like, terrify me and then make me laugh. Um, sometimes I'm laughing at myself because of how scared I, I was. <laughs> 
And then other times I'm laughing at something that happens in the movie or a, a throwaway line or a moment where it's so uncomfortable, it's awkward. And it's just, I mean, throughout, it's so great. And I, I, love, I was not familiar with Andy Nyman before this. I loved him in this movie. Um, the first story that Tony tells freaked me out so much. Like, I was on the edge of my seat the whole time. And like you said, with Martin Freeman's story, it's impossible to talk about. Um, there's, It's just too too many things happen that it would feel like a spoiler if I say anything. But during his scene, I exclaimed, what the... And I I did curse (laughs) uh, so loud that the guy next to me kind of gave me a look like, are you okay? And I'm just like, I am, but I wasn't for a second. (laughs) I think something just comes out of nowhere. Yeah. And, oh man, I actually, I took my daughter with me uh, with this because this was at the Florida Film Festival. We saw a documentary before this. And this was a, it started at 11 o'clock, so it was a late night. So I'm walking back to the car with my 12-year-old, 12-year-old, she's 14, I don't know what I'm doing. My 14-year-old, we're walking back to the car at like 12.30, and I am doing the same thing you were doing. It was like checking around, because there's like two alleys I had to walk by, and man, I was just on edge. I wanted to get to the car as quick as possible. Lock the doors. Yeah, (laughs) and man, I, I just, I had so much fun with this movie. This is this is the type of horror film that I really like connect with um, as well. A Quiet Place, completely different. No, no humor. Unrelenting. A Quiet Place is where it does yeah, not yeah. back off. This movie is the opposite. It is very much a roller coaster ride. It is an amusement park. It is up, down, all over the place, and you never know for sure where it's going to go. It's almost like you're in a roller coaster in a dark room. You know you're moving, but you're not exactly sure what's happening or what's in front of you or beside you or whatnot. And it. Man, what a ride. I had a blast with this movie. And on that note, one of the best parts is, as you're going along trying to piece it all together, it is one step ahead of you, but when you when you get to the end and it's all, you know, you, you find out what's going on, it's, it's satisfying. It all oh, yeah. pays off. Yeah, and I agree. So, and that, had that fallen apart at the end, it would have been, a, you know, quite a serious detriment to the film, but it isn't. It, it all comes together and it's like, wow, wow. So, um, how did your daughter find it? Because did did she kind of was she tougher than you or, or me? She, she was tougher about it. Um, she she liked it. She didn't love it. She said she uh, the documentary we saw before was called the um, Godfathers of Hardcore, and uh-huh. it followed a, a hardcore band from the 1980s that still plays today from New York City called um, Agnostic Front. Yes, and I've heard of it. yeah, she got she was really into that movie. Like she loved the every ounce of it. She's kind of an emo kid. Like she's into like My Chemical Romance and stuff like that. And um, I was a rock musician for a long time, so I'm I'm very proud of her going the rock direction. And JB was a top bass player. Yeah, yeah, um, top indeed. Uh, but <laughs> I was um, in a failed band as a guitarist. Uh, so you, if you don't go into that, yeah. But you know, um, she she latched on to that movie, and so. I kind of think she was on too much of a euphoric high from that film. That Ghost Stories was kind of like unset. It wasn't as exciting for her or something. But yeah, I could see that. Yeah. And there are, I think, some of the themes in Ghost Story do uh, do go for an older crowd. Not like old crowd, but like an older crowd. I think a lot of the messages and stuff she hasn't had to encounter entirely. Um, so, but she did like it, and uh, I don't think she was as scared as I was, which was kind of disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyone who's been following my conversations with John for the last uh, three, four months will know that I've been looking for a creepy, atmospheric, tense mystery horror film that doesn't rely on blood, guts, gore, or anything silly like that. I thought Winchester was going to be it, but mm. 
that was the that was an absolute toilet blocker. Yep. Whereas Ghost Stories was everything I wanted. It was tense. It was creepy. It had that atmospheric atmosphere which just built and built and built. And like it had those kind of unnerving moments when it would kind of ease off the tension slightly, but you kind of knew if that wasn't going to last forever. You're going to be thrown back into it, um, and that's what I wanted, and it worked. Um, and I don't care if it if it was British, French, American, Australian, German, Zimbabwean. It's just a damn fine film. It is, and it's it's one you can tell didn't cost a lot of money, and it didn't need to. It it exactly. does everything so well and i like that overarching story that you mentioned um it is so satisfying in fact the more i think back on it i'm like man it's so brilliant there's so many little things in this movie that you're just like oh my god that's what that oh man and it's uh i i can't wait to add this to my collection because i just absolutely adore this film like i i had such a blast i had a real vintage it's it's quintessentially quintessentially british english in a lot of its um scenery and visuals uh, they've got the sprawling countryside. They've got the sort of grungy, grimy uh, English pub, which isn't uh, conducive to what they really like, may I just say. But um, it's very English. But there's also a nice vintage feel, which I think will appeal... A vintage horror film feel, which I think will appeal to the masses. It looks like a throwback to the old films, I think. Yeah. And it feels like it at times with the with the score... With the with that kind of growing atmospheric thing, it doesn't feel like the horror films that have come out in recent years. No, I I completely agree. There there's, man, I really hope more people find this movie. Um, and we both had we got a little bit of love from uh, the creators too, yeah. um, because we gave a lot of love and they re- they reciprocated. Um, and they both we both got retweets. Um, from the filmmakers and the uh, the I think even the guy who did the score retweeted mine. And you know I like I I mean. I don't write good reviews so that happens, but when it happens, it does feel pretty good. You know, like, like hey, they appreciate the, the things I had to say about it. And because I love the movie, I value that all the more because it's like, oh, great. Something I care about is appreciative of my affection, and I, that's that's a good feeling. Exactly. I, the direct Andy Nyman himself mm-hmm. uh, commented back on mine, and I'm glad he did because I wrote the review from a you know, genuine place. I really enjoyed the film, like, like you. I didn't write. It. I didn't tag him in it or anything like that. I didn't no. write it so yeah, me these guys could see it and you know, you know, give me a bit of a pat on the back. But it's nice to see that you know your review, my review. You know, they took notice of it. They read it or at least you know acknowledged the fact that it was there. And we were giving their film some kind of acknowledgement, whether it's good or bad. Wouldn't you know? I'm sure they'd have the the positive which they were. But yeah, you know, their, their film. There are people out there liking it and encouraging others to see it. So. Yeah, it was a it was a nice it was nice to see that come back because you don't get that very often. You don't really shouldn't really expect it either, but it is nice no. to happen. Yeah, I've actually I had some luck with some, uh, another British film, the one I talked to you about uh, that's t- set in Ma- Margate. Margate, Kent. Yeah, yes. It's the film's called Jellyfish. Uh, the the production company uh, quoted me in their own tweet, like they quoted my review, and then that tweet from them has gotten a bunch of retweets and stuff from different people, and I've been like, oh sweet, because I really. I think both Ghost Stories and Jellyfish need, like, people talking about them. They're they're not big releases. They're not going to have a, a huge theatrical run. But I think I think Ghost Stories may already be on VOD here in the states, and um, Jellyfish I I think is going to get distribution, but I don't think it's going to get a big theatrical run. So the more you know critics who see it and talk about it, the more likely other people will hear about it and hopefully watch it. Which is why we've spent you know 
10 minutes talking about how great ghost stories is because we want people to see it like it's something that should be watched by audiences everywhere yeah it, not everybody's gonna like it of course and some of this may be just conjecture to those guys but you know it's yeah me and john it's not often you get a, a good horror film which stays true to itself and doesn't rely on you know going it does go balls to the wall for the last 15 minutes yeah but not in a way that so many horror films do now where it just you know it it loses sight of what came before. If anything, it it pulls all the threads together into something, and it goes where it needs to go, and it works so well. But yeah. I will give anybody fifty pounds of my partner's money if they could guess, <laughs> or if they if they could stay ahead of the story, because it's not obvious where where it is, where no. it goes. And I'll say too, I love the setup of uh, Nyman's character being a skeptic, because it it makes you the audience a skeptic too like oh this isn't real and then when things happen you're just like wait a minute i thought things weren't real or are they i'm still not sure and it it plays with like your own kind of emotions when you watch a horror movie you know because like i think you go into a horror movie thinking well it's not like it's real and then you get sucked up into the movie if it's good and you're like oh wait maybe it is but you know it's not like you know jason's not going to be waiting for you at camp crystal lake but gosh darn it i will never stay at camp crystal lake i know (laughs) that's not a real place but if someone made one right now and like hey hey, it's camp crystal lake i'm like nope not happening (laughs) (laughs) swim in there thanks yeah i i've seen what happens to people who stay there i'm not going to be one of those statistics so Uh, my favorite horror film or my favorite film of all time is the exorcist and the reason why i love that film is because i know that i'm not going to be possessed by a demon i hope not but the film makes it feel like it could happen, mm-hmm. which is what happens in this film. Yes, there are. It deals with kind of ooh, it's called ghost stories. So there's your answer there. But it it keeps it as grounded as grounded as it possibly can for you know as much, for as long as it can do, and I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, me too, and I, that's just yet another thing to love about the movie. Hopefully, we have not overhyped it for our listeners, but we highly recommend you check out Ghost Stories wherever you can. Yep, I agree. Sometimes, for me and John, you like a film so much that you just have to, you know, throw the hyperbole at it. But, yeah. you know, I hope you guys enjoy it too. Because if, and if you do, tell everybody else. Because give these films love and hopefully we'll see more of them in the future. Yeah, and if you don't like it, we want to hear that too. Tell us why we're wrong. Um, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that we, we overstated so much. But, yeah, we, we both you have too, reviews yeah. too. You can read our, our more specific thoughts probably in our writing at our website. So check those out as well. Yes, at... I will give my link at the end for you. So uh, yep. I believe we have a, there's this, another small independent film was released, uh, which is what we're going to talk about now. Which is? Something called, uh, I think it's Justice League. Oh, no, Avengers oh. Infinity War. Yes, very small, low budget. Uh, not not a lot of marketing behind this movie. Um may have heard of it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, um, I, I'm going to let you run off with this one because right. uh, I know how much I like these films but I know how much you like these films Yeah. so please I am a comic book nerd going back very very far um, and I've always loved the comic book movies I mean I, I was even a fan of some of the, the bad ones like I had myself convinced for a little while that Daredevil was not a horrible movie um, <laughs> about I've Catwoman seen... No, never, never watched Catwoman. <laughs> I I saw that one coming from a mile away. But um, I I've been uh, I actually took I, I took my daughter to see Avengers: Infinity War Thursday opening night. 
Uh, it was the most crowded I've ever seen my local movie theater. Uh, it, they sold out three consecutive shows on Thursday night, which I don't think they've ever done. Even with Force Awakens, um, I don't think they sold out every screening on the Thursday night premiere. And um, I leaned into my daughter before the movie started, and I was like, Do you know, I think the first movie I took you to at this theater was Iron Man in 2008. No so she was only four. And it's questionable that I took her to see Iron Man, but I wanted to see it so bad that I was like, you know what? Let's just go. You know, because my wife was working and we were at the mall, I think, playing in the arcade. And I'm like, do you want to see Iron Man? And she's like, okay. I'm like, let's do it. And so... soda. Keep quiet. And she she loved it. She got scared a couple of times because there's like explosions and stuff and the the loud noises kind of freaked her out a bit when she was four. But um, she... You know, she's been going with me to almost all of the Marvel films ever since. Uh, we, we missed a couple in the theater, but I've seen almost every one in the theater. She actually missed um, all of the Captain America films somehow, even Civil War. Okay. But, she, you know, she saw Black Panther twice opening weekend. Uh, she saw Ant-Man with me in IMAX. And she's, you know, Thor Ragnarok, she was with me opening weekend. Like, she she's seen most of them. And um, it, it's it's been like a family thing with these movies. So it always... Uh, it's a big deal for me when this when they come out because I usually know she's in on these, and man, I had so much fun at Infinity War. It to me, uh, one Marvel's done something that no other movie company has ever done as far as the franchising of this film goes because it is essentially a bunch of comic books, and this is the epic yeah. crossover that we've been waiting for. Um, it reminded me of uh, one of my favorite childhood comic book experiences was Marvel versus DC. Where we had, the, yes. yeah, the major crossover where you know Batman was going to fight uh, Wolverine and and Superman was going to fight. Uh, it was just all these people were going to be fighting, and it was unheard of at the time that like Marvel and DC characters would interact. And it was a four, it was only four books, but then they had tons of spinoffs that you really had to read the spinoffs to get the whole experience. And that's what this movie felt like. If you hadn't seen all the movies. You wouldn't get every reference. You wouldn't know who everybody was. But you could still enjoy Infinity War enough having not seen every Marvel film. But if you saw them all, you were re you were heavily rewarded for your knowledge. Yes. And I've seen them all. I own them all. And um, I had a blast. Uh, I, I loved pretty much every minute of it. Um, I, I thought what they did with Thanos was... was great making him essentially the protagonist of the movie making him the character whose story we're going to follow rather than you know retelling stories of other characters and the most impressive thing were what the russo brothers were able to weave these different stories together and never feel it never felt over bloated to me um which i had anticipated it yeah. being uh because there's so many characters in this movie and while not every character you want gets as much screen time as you would have hoped um, I think all of them are used very well. There's a lot of funny parts. There's a lot of great action. Um, one of the complaints that you and I both had about Black Panther was the CG um, getting kind of wonky in the, the big epic fights. Yeah. And I didn't really feel like that was an issue with this film. Maybe a little, but nowhere near as bad as I thought Ragnarok and Black Panther had uh, issues with their CG. I, th I thought the CG looked really good, especially... I thought Thanos looked really great. I mean, I'm not saying the design, but the CG elements. Because there's a part where a tear runs down his face. And, it, like, you can see it go into the crevices of his, like, wrinkly chin. And it, it's, it looked impressive to me. Um, and 
Brolin, who I am a huge fan of anyways, uh, I was so impressed with him as Thanos. Like, I, I really, really liked his performance as Thanos. And, man, every other character, I, I loved. I don't think there was a single character uh, moment in the film that I was unhappy with. So, And I might just be fanboying on, fanboying on this movie for sure, but I, I loved it. So, I've probably spoken... Yeah too much no, on it but no absolutely not i put at the end of my review i put you know this review was written by a fair weather comic book movie fan mm-hmm. i see i i i always watch them um more out of morbid curiosity because i i do like them but i'm aware that you are the bigger fan but um i i got on board with the hype for this film uh i i thought this film was stunning mm. i thought it was fantastic i mean the tagline it's all been leading to this yeah, you know, ten years, eighteen movies, each one planting seeds here, seeds there, intertwining somehow, all working together to get to this one film. Uh, and like you, yeah, the, I thought trying to put all of this together, this could be an absolute mess. But somehow the Russo brothers did it. They managed yeah. to create, uh, split everybody up. It's not a spoiler. It's in the trailer. You managed to have these different factions. Yep give them their own journey whilst also making them linking them together yeah it's fantastic how they did that i mean you did mention that some characters didn't get the time they needed to get i understand obviously there's the next film uh Mm -hmm. pretty much this time next year which i imagine you might see more of that was one of my 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 main drawback from the film excuse me is i think everybody really lacked screen time just because there's so many people there yeah yeah but that's not a bad thing. Nope. Um, yeah, the CGI was good. There were there were a few moments which stood out for me. They, so they were a few iffy moments. The the Black Order were the main culprits. They looked great. Ebony Moore was fantastic, I thought, actually. Um, he looked great, but sometimes they looked a bit iffy. And some of Thanos's CGI, when he interacted with the real world, looked a bit oh. off. Hmm. But, Wow in a two hour 40 minute movie where they've crammed in 18 other films basically to one if that's the main gripe yeah. is that even a problem really I I would never hold that against a film as an actual problem with it it's yeah. just something that I noticed but uh, it, again it's quite hard to speak about this film without saying any spoilers and be warned I'm not going to say anything spoilery whatsoever you know, this film is big, it's emotional, it's exciting it's grim, it's fun, it's tragic it's epic um, yeah it feels uh, epic too like it, it, it really does. does like insanely how it can make you feel like you're in this epic comic book crossover and that's the feeling that we should have sorry i cut you off no that's no problem to you know what you said is, is right i was gonna say as john mentioned i live in england we have stiff upper lips and we very rarely show any emotion unless there's a foot soccer game on or apparently <laughs> when a royal baby's born but the there were I've put it in my review as a tagline. I've never known been in a film where the the audience interacted so much. They were cheering, they were screaming, they were gasping, they were no or yes. Or, it, it was incredible, and it really for me made the movie even better. I thought because whilst the moments would have worked anyway, but seeing a collective packed theatre with people joining in, it really really heightened it and. When when the moments called for it, when the stakes were going to get a bit higher, maybe they got even bigger because everyone was joining in. The yeah. fun moments, people are laughing at. I thought Chris Hem Chris Hemsworth was fantastic as Thor. He was he was the comedy highlight. Him and the Guardians. Oh yeah. Uh, 
The fact that he kept calling Rocket Rabbit. I know. Oh man. Every time, sweet <laughs> rabbit. He got me every time. I love um, that interaction with the two of them too. I thought that was brilliant uh, decision to put them cool. together. Robert Downey Jr. I thought was the heart of the film was mm-hmm. brilliant. So so is Saldana. She brought it. She was fantastic. And Josh Brolin. Yeah. He he had a villain who you could almost almost kind of empathize with and see where he was coming from almost yeah. you know his his reasoning was i don't want to say sound but for a for an for an evil madman it was coming from a different place yeah but obviously it's how he it's obviously his way of enforcing it but i really really liked him because i've said before that marvel had to make him the biggest villain they've ever had because they've teased him for six, seven years now. How are they going to make him intimidating, scary? He's got to do something. Mm-hmm. And wow, he does stuff. Yeah. Uh, the movie opens as it means to go on. Put it like that. It really, it, it, as soon as it starts, you think, right, we're, 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 we mean business now. Yeah. Uh, but it, the story is a bit rudimentary. Up, it's you know, it's a fairly simple story. And at times the pacing does get a bit iffy. Certain parts I think went on too long to the detriment of others. But what I also liked was the fact that they nailed the third act. Marvel doesn't always get the third act right. This time they did it. It was whoa. Yeah. That's all I'm gonna say. The use of sound during the film and in that final act and that stunning. They really bought it for this film. Uh the whole film was great, but I appreciate the fact that they ended it so well, which is something which the other films haven't always done. Yeah, and I, I'm definitely not on the on the. I'm not standing here saying it's perfect, but man, it, it did what I wanted it to do. And I, you know, I don't. I I actually get really tired of myself saying the phrase "it's not perfect" because I don't think a movie ever needs to be perfect. But I yeah, had. Yeah, yes, and I had so much fun. I had so, so many things that I took out of this film that I absolutely loved. And again, it did remind me of a the most comic book comic book movie to date, where it really did feel like they projected an epic comic book crossover on screen. Yeah. And that's how comic books feel like. If you feel like, oh, they're jumping around so much, like, read a comic book. That's exactly how comics do it, especially in the crossover uh, issues. And that's over four issues usually. And this is two movies, so, like, everyone has to remember that, and anyone, I've heard some critics complaining about, like, character development, and I'm like, no, you, normally, I'm on the the thought that every movie should be treated and evaluated as itself, it should be able to stand by itself or whatever, but that's not what this movie is, this movie's more like, it is, it's like a book, this, we're on the last two chapters of a huge book, Yeah. and this one, if you'd skipped 20 chapters or 18 chapters in a book and went to chapter 19 it probably isn't going to make a whole lot of sense that's what this movie is and it's unique there's no other franchise that has done what this this company has done um even star wars because star wars does it in sets of three this movie is like no no we're going to develop 18 stories and yes there is avengers and there's age of ultron which starts the crossover but barely they barely start the crossover because there's so many other characters. Civil War was the most ambitious of the crossover movies to date. Yeah, and yeah. this one ups the game even more. And it, it nails it. And the Russos might be 
potentially, in my eyes, right now, like, the best blockbuster directors currently working, because this movie is a summer blockbuster in every sense of the word. Like, And they made the almost impossible possible. Yeah. Would, bringing together everything. And like you say, Star Wars, well, I don't care what George Lucas said, you know, they started in 1977, he didn't know what episodes 1 to 3 were going to have, he nope. didn't know what 7, 8 and 9 were going to be, mm-hmm. so it never kind of started as a linear canon, whereas obviously with Iron Man, whilst that was, you know, essentially a standalone film, they yeah. I've, you know, you listen to Kevin Feige speak, he knew that they were going to make try and make something out of this, they were going to try and make a universe, so they went in with the idea that every film was going to be important, and even the smallest references could come back in a big way. So that's what they've done so well. It's like they, it, it, little moments pay off, and in, and in this film, and I mean, I know it, it sets up Avengers Four tantalisingly. You, you, people who have seen this film who maybe aren't who are the casual fans, are now going to want to go and watch Avengers 4 to know what happens, because holy effing hell, (laughs) does this movie have a punch to it? It does, and I am, I man, um, there are so many, like, we're not listing the cast for this movie because it would take, like, ten minutes to get through everybody, (laughs) but uh, there there were so many standouts. I mean, I really think everyone gets at least a little moment to shine. Um, Yes. Like I, I love Drax. Like I've uh, Drax brings the humor every time. Um, uh, Chris Evans, Chris uh, Pratt, and Chris Pratt, Hemsworth, yeah. all fantastic. The Chris's. We just got to figure out Marvel. We'll get Chris Pine in this, and we'll have the four Chris's. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, Hemsworth was probably my least favorite when the, the the Marvel movie started, and has just completely like clamped on to the humor of Thor. And is so great now. I am so, like, just enamored when he's on screen. He's so funny. Like, everything he does, there's this air of, like, arrogance and humor that I just love. I'm just, like, eating it up. I can't get enough of it. And this movie has more of it. Um, and I think, uh, I loved Ragnarok, but I think the, that what uh, Taika Waititi did for the character carries over into this film so well. Um, and it's, man, it just and him and rocket getting together and yeah i i loved rocket in the first guardians like so much and one of my favorite bits was him asking quill to get the guy's leg like yeah and then it being like you know a complete kind of uh, red herring and quill being basically manipulated by rocket um that spawned a meme that i'm not going to say what the meme is but i don't know if if you are if you're getting it without me saying it but it comes back in the movie it, this, yeah it and, does and I thought that was brilliant, like that the, that it was in there, and I I loved it. So, um, yeah, d- I mean, God, I could I could probably go in just every minute by minute. I've only seen it once, and yet I think every minute of the movie is like in my head, just printed on it. I I I was I was so into this movie. I was like laughing, like I was actually like like leaning forward, laughing so hard, like gripping my stomach, uh, clapping in the air, like not loud, just like happy little golf claps, like oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. Um, I had a blast and so did uh, I actually was sitting with um, two current students and then behind me I had four four graduates who are uh, one of a a sibling to one of the kids I was sitting next to across the aisle to my right was another student I had probably 10 to 15 students throughout the theater some current some past and um, just all all of them and then of course my daughter was with me and we were all just having a a brilliant time and so did the, the whole audience 
um, had a huge time. And uh, not a spoiler, but do know there is one stinger at the end of the credits. Um, so if you yes. go see this movie... Um, you, have to, you have to see it. Yeah, and you have to sit through the entire set of credits to see it. So it is it is a probably 10 to 15 minute adventure because a, I think a million people worked on this movie. <laughs> I, I, well, no pun intended, but I literally marveled at how many people's names oh, were yeah. coming down the credits. And you, you, yes, yeah, stay behind and watch it because it's this post credit scene is... It's relevant. It's, yeah. It's one of the most relevant post credits we've had, um, especially when you look at like Guardians Two. Gun did what like five post credit scenes, yeah, and only like w- one or two of them had any significance at all. Um, this one is definitely meaningful. So the Russos made make you wait, but they uh, they make you wait and they give you something in return. So exactly. And speaking of Guardians, I think Chris Hemsworth's uh, relationship with all of the Guardians was fantastic. Him and Chris Pratt against each other I, yeah. I I was on Chris Pratt's side during this because I was jealous because Chris Hemsworth is he's a hunk with superb <laughs> hair and a beard with a wonderful voice and people swoon over him and there's not much he can't do so I was with him on this yeah <laughs> uh, dude when Pratt started mimicking the voice so I was put his voice down <laughs> yeah I was it dying because, and none, none of the humour fell out of place it actually all worked yeah, agreed. I knew when to I knew when to pull it back and to let the any kind of bigger moments happen. Uh, I, I also appreciated that and that I didn't get one of my biggest problems with Ragnarok was there was these big moments happening and they were kind of undercut by the humour, which mm. is very good. But yeah, have some big moments and then it was almost like they needed to fit a joke in just because. Or almost it might even be maybe Taika Waititi does have like maybe a, a little bit of criticism about the comic book movies that there is no big moments in something so frivolous as a comic book movie. I don't know for a fact. I'm just wondering if that's why he wrote it that way because you know you throw a joke in a moment where it it should be taken seriously. You got to wonder if that's you know commentary on on what you're doing. Could but, be, maybe. I mean, obviously, I'm sure he's grateful he got to make a big blockbuster that did very well. Uh, it should help his career greatly, but maybe he did he did it solely for that reason, you know, just to to help his career. Which I don't have, I don't have, I don't fault him for that because I love his movies and not enough. Like Hunt for the Wilder People is one of my favorite movies for that year, and I say that to most people, and they're like, "What is that?" And it crushes me every time. I'm like, no, no, you must know. Sam Neill is in it. Check yeah. it out. And Julian Dennison, who's going to be in Deadpool too, so like more people are going to know who he is. In, a, in about a month and so hopefully that movie will get a resurgence because it it deserves to be seen so much and uh man I, I i love that film and it is it is one of my favorite comedies i think it that movie cracks me up so uh definitely um infinity war na- i think the russos nailed it um are there flaws sure but yeah nothing nothing to uh damage the movie in fact I don't usually point out on this podcast the IMDb user rating, but um, the meta score is 68, which is really good for a big blockbuster like this. Yeah. Um, I was actually, because uh, when we were doing the draft, I was tracking what I thought they would be, and I guessed 60 for this movie. And so it's eight points over uh, what I was anticipating, so that was pretty good. But the user score, there have been 112,000 people have rated this movie on IMDb, and it has a nine point one. Wow, 
I don't care if you love the DC films and you're blinded and one of those losers who hates everything about Marvel just because you like DC. I've seen plenty of DC fans coming out now and just having to, having to say that this is a damn fine movie. Doesn't matter if it doesn't matter if you're if you align yourself to one camp as yeah. a comic book film. You can't ignore this. It's, it's a fan. It's a fantastic. Isn't it? it? Like it. I think you said it. It is how a blockbuster should be done. Yep. Everything you want, and it's a culmination of eighteen movies and all these characters you've grown to love. I, I don't see how anybody could, you know, be down on it just because well, it's made by a certain studio. Yeah. Go and enjoy it. That's what it's for. Just drop it. Just drop any ideas or silliness you have. Go and enjoy it because not everybody's going to like the film, but god damn it, it's a it's a hell of an exp- hell of a ride. They raise the stakes. How long for? Who knows? Yeah. But they've raised the stakes, man. So yep. do yourselves a favour. I like comic book movies. I think they're pretty cool. I think this is one. This is one of my. It's probably going to be my top ten of the year, possibly. And we're only in April. Yeah. Um, so for the people who love the film, people these films out there, God only knows how they're taking this. Yeah, and I am one of those, and I, I am, this is, if it doesn't become my number one Marvel film of all time, I will be surprised. I do want to see it a second time before I commit to that, and I am kind of, I, I have committed to Iron Man 1 being the best Marvel film of all time because I, I know we owe every other one that movie. If Iron Man had flopped, we don't have this, and Iron Man was a big surprise, and it brought Robert Downey Jr. into my life in a way that I didn't know I needed him. Yeah. And, um, and the character, because the character was only kind of Iron Man wasn't one of the one, one of the leading superheroes no. in the franchise. In fact, I I, I kind of went in after seeing Iron Man. I kind of assumed that I had just somehow neglected to know Iron Man. Like I knew of Iron Man, but I'd never read any of his books. I never even read the Avengers books. I was always a DC guy. Yeah, um, yeah. Except for Spider-Man and the X-Men. Those are the only Marvel books I was really into. And then um, I was Batman. And I still am. Batman's still my favorite. But He's cool. Um, that, that hurt that you just said he's cool. <laughs> but I'm I like, like Batman. I know. I know. But it, was, it was like, yeah, he's cool. But um, like, I, I, have, meant that, I meant that as a I know. compliment. That's ah, okay. Being over the top. <laughs> See, I'm like, I'm, like I'm sitting in a room surrounded by Batman memorabilia as we record this. <laughs> so it's like... <laughs> Wait a minute! No, I've, I'm no. one of those people who I think Batman's the coolest one of the lot. He's got no okay. superpowers. Yeah, he's, as Ben Affleck said, he's just rich, but he's also yep. he's just the coolest superhero. He's Batman, for God's which sake. Iron Man is too, and that's he, he's obviously gone a different direction with how he uh, got good. He he made robots that do everything for him, essentially. Sure. Where Batman, you know, trained really hard and got good at stuff. But um, I was really impressed with Iron Man so much in that first movie that when I realized the the character in the comics had never been a big character it was even more impressive how great that movie turned out because it's a risk yeah huge risk and man what like like Downey Jr owns that character and I love yeah. watching him in the movies because you realize how many of the scenes in the films he's acting to nothing you know he's he's just acting there's no actual creature there he's yeah. not and it's so impressive when you think about it because he seems like he's in that world. Like, he seems like he is experiencing what you're seeing on screen. But when you realize that, no, he's not because that's all CG. Like, those monsters don't exist. He's just that damn good of an actor. It's even more impressive. And, I, I man, I can't, I can't overstate to me how big this film is in both 
scale and scope, but also in success. It is great and i will i hope to go see this at least one more time in the theater my daughter's actually going today with her friends um to see it her second time so wow she's outpaced you already yeah she did Uh, that with last jedi too actually (laughs) because i speaking of outpacing i'm keeping my eye on the weekend box office because i'm not usually one to crow too much about oh this movie's number one i still don't think this is going to beat the force awakens weekend box office and Mm, i think has put this um put the tracking's got Infinity War. I think it's 245.6 million, whereas The Force Awakens, I think, was 247.9. So it's literally like $2 million off, but it's going to be it's gonna be right up there. If it doesn't beat it, it's going to be right, Yeah. you know, uh, nipping at its, its toe. But when I came out of the cinema, the first one of the first things I thought was, people are going to go back and see this a lot. So this mm-hmm. has got now a very realistic chance of being the biggest opening yeah. film of all time. I think this has the potential to be the highest grossing film in America all time, beating yeah. Force Awakens, beating Avatar. The only thing that will stand in its way is Deadpool 2, um, Solo, mm-hmm. A Star Wars Story, and potentially Jurassic uh, World. If those they've movies... They've themselves a few weeks, which was by bringing yep. it forward in the States, I think they've really helped themselves out. Agreed. There. Agreed completely. But how long it can survive in the theater with all these other movies? Because that's when you look at Force Awakens, it came out in December. It had no yeah, yeah. competition in January or February. season. Yeah. And so, um, and then I, I don't remember for sure when Avatar came out, but I feel like it came out in the fall, um, not at the beginning of the summer. So they had no... And Avengers coming out, th- yes, they moved it up a week, but it still has a lot of stuff coming out to push it out of theaters faster if it starts to dwindle at all. And it, that will be the big question is how how will it survive once the other blockbusters start coming out? And um, that could, of course, uh, be affected by how good those other blockbusters are. If Deadpool 2 disappoints yeah, yeah. or if Solo disappoints, which definitely... Of uh, and Jurassic World too. I think Jurassic World and Solo have the most potential to fail if yeah. it doesn't grab the fans like the, they want it to. Because w- the, especially with Star Wars, the Star Wars fans are already kind of bitter because of Last Jedi, which I don't get. But no. th- there is a lot of bitterness uh, towards the franchise, and then now they're they're taking a beloved character and putting a different actor in the position. Some people are already talking about like not seeing it uh, in my circles of nerds and. Um, I think that's wrong. I, I can't wait to see it. I, I hope it's the most amazing thing I've ever seen. It looks a lot of fun. It does. And um, But if, if that happens, if there's just backlash because it's... Whether it's Star Wars fatigue because we did just have one, you know, or, back... Or because it's made by Disney. Or because of the controversy of Ron Howard getting added on last minute. Whatever happens, there, there's a lot working against Solo. If that, if that fails, I think Avengers takes the all-time box office. If Solo yes. is a success, I think that could slow Avengers down enough where it will end up in the top five. Maybe beat Black Panther, but maybe not even because Black Panther came in in February and it's right now my theater has both Black Panther and Avengers. Wow! Wait, right, so like that's crazy that they're both in the theaters at the same time when you can go see Black Panther in Avengers. Like it's, I don't think that's happened with a Marvel movie where they've overlapped that much. And there's potential that. Avengers and Ant-Man will be in theaters at the same time as well. Of course, yeah. So, I'm interested to see how much money it makes. Yeah, overall. me too. I'm, I'm gonna have, I'm gonna hedge a bet now. I think it's gonna end up at 1.8 million billion, sorry, worldwide. Yeah, 1.8. I, I'm if man, dude, I, I'm hoping for um, almost a billion 
uh, domestic so that I get so many points for <laughs> <laughs> the fantasy draft. I hope it bobs just so I can win. <laughs> You know, I mean, that's the thing. Um, I only got one big blockbuster. You, you got two. Corey got two. I got. I only have Avengers. That is like a major big success. My other four yeah. movies are all up in the air. I have no idea how they're gonna do. I am solely relying on this movie to earn me a lot of points, and it looks like it's going to. Um, you know, almost guaranteed points or box office returns with this film. Yeah, and I mean, I knew that going in, but I I didn't know how much. And if the the user rating on IMDb is reflective of it, the only thing that could hurt me is a lot of people have MoviePass, and MoviePass changed their rules yesterday, where four movies a month or something. Or? No, that's not official yet. That is the current package. Like if you join right now, it's only four movies a month. What they changed was something that when they went to the unlimited for ten bucks, they changed one policy that I've had MoviePass for two years, so I had it before the ten dollar thing. And it used to be you could see um, one movie a day, but you could only see a movie with MoviePass once. So once you saw Avengers, you couldn't see Avengers again using your MoviePass. Right, okay. They changed that when they met, went to the 10 bucks Unlimited. Yesterday, they changed it back. You can only see a movie once with your MoviePass, which means people who had MoviePass before this may have gone to see Avengers every day for two weeks because it was free, and now they can't. And so that could hurt the numbers too. Like people will actually have to spend real money after their one time with Avengers. Uh, if they if they go see Avengers with their movie pass today, and they want to see it again tomorrow, they have to use actual money. They can't use their movie pass. So that could slow down the the return viewings as well. That's a good point. Yeah, I think the people who really want to see it will shell out as mm-hmm. much money as they want to. But uh, yeah, the sure. casuals, yeah, they could use their movie pass and maybe that's it. But I mean, it's going to see a big drop off in week two. But if it makes two hundred forty million dollars in its first weekend, if it only makes one hundred twenty, one hundred thirty in the second weekend, that's more than most films make in their entire run. So yeah, it's going to make money. I I will keep tabs on how much it makes because I think um it may break the two billion dollar mark. I'm I'm sticking at one point eight. Yeah. Um, it's got a chance if 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 it carries on and carries on and carries on, and like you say, if Deadpool's just okay, if Solo's just okay, it could yeah. it, you could see a few dollars going back into the Avengers fund. So anything could happen. But one thing's for sure: it's it's already made money because it's a excellent film. Well, that is, I think, our reviews for the month of April. Um, yes. Did you want to talk about anything else? Because I know you saw at least one other movie that you mentioned to me. I well, it, this came, I think it came out in the last week of April in the states, but it came out in the uh, March sorry in the states. It came out early April in the United Kingdom. That was Love Simon, mm-hmm. uh, and we didn't get a chance to talk about it last month. And I just wanted to chuck it in there because, I, I, like Infinity War, this film was superb. Yeah, was, I liked it a lot. It was fantastic. <clears throat> it's a uh, You've had coming of age stories recently. You've had Call Me By Your Name, Lady Bird, Edge of Seventeen, God's Own Country, and this obviously had a different spin on it because the lead character was a gay male, mm-hmm. uh, which, I mean, this film could have been couldn't have been made ten years ago because times have moved on, and for the better. Um, yeah. I just wanted to, I just wanted to throw it in there because I thought it's brilliant. It's, it's there's nothing new about it. It's not a it's nothing you've necessarily not seen before. But by the end of this film, I was smiling from ear to ear because it's so well done. 
the characters are so likeable it is a fantastic message uh, the parents as well I think Jennifer Garner and Josh Duhamel are fantastic yeah. are really, and Nick Robertson as the lead is is brilliant it's, it, it's nothing gratuitous or raunchy here it's just nope. a bloody good character driven story with a great message at heart uh, and a brilliant um, and a brilliant arc for all of the characters so yeah yeah, I wanted to throw that one in there. I thought they developed the characters really, really well in that movie. And I'm not always a Jennifer Garner fan. Um, I actually did like her in this movie, which is yeah. uh, somewhat surprising. And I've followed Nate Robinson quite a bit. I saw um, he was in Kings of Summer a few years ago. Um, yeah. I like that movie. I, he's in Jurassic World, which I am a big fan of that film, despite my admittance that it's got some garbage like logic in it. I, I love the <laughs> Jurassic movie, so I'm just on board. Um, and... I thought I thought he was good in that, but I th- I definitely think Love Simon is um, really showcases his ability and uh, lets him shine. I even I saw everything everything last year and I, I like it. I don't think it's great or anything. I think it's very predictable. And um, if you've seen any films where there's a character stuck in a bubble for a health reason, you definitely see what's going to happen in the movie yeah. a mile away. But I thought he did a good job in the film. But man, in Love Simon, he is leaps and bounds better than he's done in anything else. And um, such a, a a fun story too. Like, I mean, there's some drama in it for sure, but there's a lot of humor in the movie, and some of the ways they do some stuff in it are really, really good. I I was really I that was my worst audience experience I think of the year. I had six people in front of me that were absolutely obnoxious. Um, I don't understand why people pay money to see a movie if they don't want to watch the movie. Yeah, agreed. Um, but I, yeah, I'm glad that you got to see it because I really liked it last year. Or last year, last month as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, th- I just, I just like the way it handles the, it handles the, uh, the main issue so well. It, and and the comedy, there's a great moment in it where the other characters sit down with their parents and come out as straight. Yes, <laughs> I thought that was fantastic. And just the way they did it, um, similar to Blockers in a, in the sense that it never felt mani- manipulative. It always just felt so genuine and the amount of people who have seen this film and I've seen online who have become emboldened by it and it's given them the inspiration to you know go on with their life and uh, mm. and come out with their sexuality what I mean, what a fantastic story for a film to do to be able to touch people's lives so much and yeah. I'm glad it was this film because I it's such a good film it's so well written it's clever enough to be self aware um, and it doesn't no one's left behind during the film it's, yeah yeah Simon is just like the rest of us and for, for, for a while I watched this film and for a while the world didn't seem like such a bad place it's such a good such a happy feel good film agreed agreed uh, I actually I completely agree with that that I walked out like with my spirits lifted for a change and that's yeah. you don't always get that in the today's time so it's it's a nice experience um, a couple of things I want to just name drop some movies I'm not going to go into like reviews because most people have not had the chance to see them but I do want to uh, mention some um, that you should keep your eyes out for uh, the one that I think is my favorite film from the festivals that I've been to uh, it's at least in my top five is uh, Hearts Beat Loud um, which stars yeah. Nick Offerman and I'm going to forget the girl's name I'm trying to pull it up but I am, I am looking through uh, my huge list of letterbox right now because i've seen so many movies this month um where the crap is it hearts beat loud hearts beat loud hearts beat loud there it is um hearts beat loud nick offerman is fantastic first Casey of all Clemens? 
that's sorry, Casey Clemens, uh, Kiersey Clemens, excuse me. Um, Ted Danson has a very small part, but he is great. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of The Good Place. I think yes. someone else told you about that. Yeah, someone did. I've now heard of it. <laughs> um, it, it man, uh, he's so good in that show, and so sh- him showing up here made me very happy. Tony Collette, who I'm always a big fan of, and Sasha Lane, who continues to impress every time she gets to do anything. This movie is uh, right close. Oh man, so great! And it is the same director, uh, Brett Haley, who did The Hero with uh, Sam Elliott last year, uh, which if you haven't seen, I really enjoyed. It's not this movie's more like upbeat and happy where the hero is um, more introspective and quiet. Uh, I really, really like both films, though. And this movie's supposed to be getting a summer release, so keep your eyes out for it. Hearts Beat Loud. Um, it's got it's a music-based movie, so there's a lot of really good music in it. A lot of love, a lot of comedy. Just a epic, fun time at the movies. Um, really, really can't wait for everyone to get to see that. I already mentioned Jellyfish earlier. Jellyfish is a tough watch, but I think it has a lot of really great stuff in it. Um, Stockholm. Which, which stars Ethan Hawke and uh, um, I gotta remember more names. Uh, Numi Rapace. He did not. Um, this one is directed by Robert Boudreaux. He does have a film that he's he's got one where he directed that premiered at South by. That's the one I was getting confused with. Yeah. Yep. Um, Lemonade. I don't know how big of a release Lemonade's gonna get, but I was really blown away by this. I almost didn't see Lemonade. It was like a last minute decision for Tribeca to check this one out. And David and I both loved it and were really impressed by it. It deals with a uh, Romanian immigrant coming to America trying to get a green card and, like, the whole process of immigration. It's it's very, again, there's some tough moments in it, but it, great. And then uh, this one's not a surprise, per se, because it won the Grand Jury Prize at Sundance. But I got to see The Miseducation of Cameron Post. Um, Looking forward to that. And, the, yeah, I can't stress enough how good that movie is and how... I think important that movie is it's set in the 90s and so it, it definitely represents the 90s homophobia that i remember living through here in america um and uh but i think there's a lot of universal themes that the film touches on that um are, are just really well executed and a really f- a good movie so How, uh, how's chloe grace moritz in it because i think she leads it doesn't she she does yeah uh she i'm i'm a fan of hers um you know yeah. I, I really liked her as hit girl uh, i like let me in a lot <laughs> And um, uh, if I stay, I thought it was maybe an underappreciated, um, like teen, you know, young adult, uh, yeah, yeah, adaptation. Um, I hated the fifth wave, and uh, I thought she well, kind of hams not hams it up, but phones it in in the fifth wave. And uh, I think this movie redeems her a lot. There's a, there's a natural elegance to her character. Um, you really believe what she's going through, and. It's never. It's not over dramatic either, considering what she's going through. Because she's sent to a um, a gay conversion center um, after her aunt catches her uh, in a lesbian relationship, and so she's sent to this camp that's supposed. To, well, it's not a camp. It's like a boarding school almost, where it's supposed to make them not be gay anymore. And it's it's pretty it's pretty interesting all the the stages that she has to go through in the film, and I think she does a terrific job. Uh, Sasha Lane is also in this film, oh, yeah. Uh, and yeah, she's she's really great in it. Um, they were both at Tribeca too, and that was really cool. So you mentioned let I haven't I have I did like her and let me in, but I didn't like the film. I had the I've had the pleasure of obviously seeing the original, uh, let the right one in the Swedish yep. film, which I, see I like both. I like both. having I much preferred the original, which is yeah. which is not always the case. There are times when I much prefer the remake, but 
I really like what they did with the original, so I was kind of had that in my head as I was watching it. But mm-hmm. I only asked because she's an actress who she could sometimes get uh, a bit of flack, and I know she sort of, she didn't retire from acting as such, but she took a break and then came back straight away, and she wasn't yeah. going to be in the Little Mermaid, and then she took I think it may have even been this film. I think um, so. But I, I just it was interesting because I think she has the capability as a great actress. She just, mm-hmm. s- some of her roles have been a bit iffy. Um, but she was in Carrie as well, wasn't she? The the remake. Of oh, that's Carrie. right. I haven't seen yeah. I haven't seen her take on Carrie, and then I forget she's it's in. Okay. Yeah, that's why I, why I still haven't gone to it. But um, she's in Five Hundred Days of Summer as well as yeah. Joseph, Joseph Gordon Lovett's little sister, and she's I love her in that movie. I think she's hilarious in that film. Um, because she's like she's that young. She's a kid, but she's the adult. Like she's the one with all the answers. Somehow you don't really understand how, but she has answers, and she's like guiding her her older brother and. I found her performance really good in that movie um, as well. But, yeah, I, I really like Miseducation of Cameron Post. It, it is, at the very least, um, thought-provoking and, and definitely entertaining. So those awesome. are uh, – hopefully we'll get wide releases during the summer. Um, I did see Tully for the second time, which I mentioned, and definitely highly recommend that film. Um, it is – it's terrific. So I'm looking forward to checking that one out as well. Well, then, I think that wraps us up for April. Uh, Matt, thank you for uh, giving up some time on a Saturday um, so that we can talk movies with each other. It's always a great time. Yeah, I I don't mean to jump the gun, but I'm already looking forward to next month. And it's always a pleasure to get on and talk movies with you. Uh, so long yeah. may I continue. Yeah, I mean, May looks strong. There's a lot of movies. I, we'll have to figure out what we're going to talk about next month, but it might yeah. be more than four or five because there's so many movies coming out. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, you can follow me at Burke Reviews on uh, Twitter, Instagram, etc. Uh, read my reviews at BurkeReviews.com. Matt, where can they find you? You can find me at WhatIWatchTonight.co.uk. I'm on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, and you can check out the What I Watch Tonight show podcast, which features uh, movie alumni from the world over. Check it out on iTunes on the website. Uh, and of course, and every now and then popping up on uh, the Burke, Burke Reviews movie casts. Uh, and of course every month on the bloody awesome movie podcast yep and uh same burke reviews movie cast is our podcast uh we do top five movies movie club and uh we do some just under the the guise of movie cast where we'll uh talk about the film festivals that i've just been to but also going to be doing interviews and stuff on that that brand as well so subscribe to that and you'll get all of those podcasts um pretty much one at least one maybe two a week it just depends and I think that's everything, folks. Um, Thanks for listening. Tell your friends about us. Uh, Please help spread the word about our bloody awesome movie podcast. It's only one a month, guys. It doesn't take that long. But exactly. until next time, keep watching movies. Stay bloody awesome. Blood, 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 blood.